Hey y'all, this is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week, the business behind holiday movies. All right, let's start the show. Hey y'all, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's a holiday weekend, so we're going to give you an episode right now all about holiday movies. And not just the great ones, but the cheesy ones too. You know, the TV movies on Hallmark and Netflix with actors who are famous enough and plot lines that are equal parts ridiculous and predictable. Now that Thanksgiving is behind us, we can all focus on my favorite time of the year. I can only guess. Christmas! It's not easy meeting someone great. Maybe I will take a break from dating during the holidays. Maybe through spring. Christmas is the busiest time of year at my office, so I thought I'd brighten everyone's Monday. It's hard to be grumpy with the Mary Berry muffin in your mouth. Once upon a time lived the greatest inventor that ever there was, Geronicus Jango. Merry Christmas! I brought two self-professed holiday movie super fans on the show to help me with this discussion. Pop Culture Happy Hour co-host Linda Holmes and author and former NPR Code Switch reporter Kat Chow. We'll share our holiday movie favorites and least favorites in this episode. And we'll tell you just how the holiday movie industrial complex became big, big business. All right. Enjoy. Why does it seem like this year, last year, last two or three years, there are more and more holiday movies every year, like dozens? Are we in the midst of like peak holiday movie? Well, they do well. That's why people keep doing them. They are, I believe, cheap to make, fairly easy to replicate. Hallmark gets very good ratings during this time of year. Um, They get a big audience for these relative to what cable television now pulls. If they're on broadcast of some sort, you can show them over and over. And if they're on streaming, you can leave them available as long as you want. I think it's return on investment, Sam. I got to tell you, I don't think it's the magic of Christmas. Okay. Um, But I also wonder if... Right now, you know, these days, the past few years, people are just really searching for that type of bomb. And then also with production schedules, it's easier to get sort of the big ticket stars like Brooke Shields for Netflix or Jimmy O. Yang, um, the relatively big stars, to star in these movies that are quite formulaic. But, uh, you know, you're they're fun and you know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know... There are increasingly a large number of Netflix holiday movies, but Hallmark still takes the cake in this. They have like dozens of holiday movies every year, it Mm -hmm. seems. And um, by some metrics, over the course of a holiday season, some 80 million plus people will consume some kind of hallmark holiday film content that's just a, that's the just heck? the ones that admit it you know? yes <laughs> so the real wow. number is probably larger i would guess when did hallmark channel become such a holiday movie machine i'm gonna say roughly 15 years ago it okay. really started to ramp up um i can remember uh and i don't know if it was hallmark But I remember uh, waiting for some medical tests to come back right around Christmas. Uh, Uh Everything was fine. Yeah. And I spent like a couple days at my parents' house watching Single Santa Seeks Mrs. Claus, I think it's called. Who is it? His name's Nick. He's cute in this smiling, 
loving kind of way. Oh, With uh, Crystal Bernard from Wings and Steve Gutenberg. I just can't play Santa. Yes, you can. I'm just not right for the role. It's, oh. I think of that as being the early part of this phenomenon. It's definitely been big business for at least 10 or 15 years. Yeah, and I love that how you put it as big business because so much of these movies, too, is tied to Hallmark's brand. Branded blankets, branded socks, anything of that nature where you can buy these products that are Hallmark-related. And, you know, the movies kind of push that. And it becomes this this very circular network of Christmas Hallmark things. (laughs) And there have been a few that have, like, very, very... um, Obvious. The one that Mariah Carey um, directed one of these. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, Mariah Carey directed <laughs> a Hallmark movie. She appeared in it also. It was with Lacey Chabert. I love you, Silverfall! Merry Christmas. A Christmas melody. She is just so multi-talented. And that was one of the ones that had a Folgers, like clearly had some kind of Folgers product deal. And so they kept having like these close-ups of like someone would say like, oh, I brought you a welcome basket as you arrive in our small, adorable town. And they would put the basket up and it would be like a giant can of Folgers and then like a few different things around the edge. Wow. Oh, my God. It's honestly just so it's it's amazing how creative, you know, these brands can get. And it really reminds me of how Food Network, for example, is getting in on this, too, at least through the Discovery Plus platform, where there's a movie that came out this year called Candy Coated Christmas. And Reed Drummond, who is the Food Network star, actually appears on it. Mm -hmm. First time in Peppermint Hollow? Uh, No, it's just been a while. You know, as you can imagine, it's about a young woman who returns to her I think mother's hometown and um, her plans to launch her business are you know put off by some extenuating circumstances and romance ensues as you could imagine wow they use it to expand the brands of stars um, that they already have so wow and like the scale of the number of movies it's really remarkable so the LA Times reported that last year in 2020 the Hallmark Channel and its sister network, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, they aired 40 new TV movies about Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that same period last year, Lifetime had 34 new releases. I'm guessing those numbers are only up this year. And it is like a machine. So the folks at Hallmark, they will tell anyone who will listen what their formula is for holiday film success. Uh, The executives at Hallmark give really intense and deep notes. And I'm cribbing here from reporting from Vox and the LA Times. Some Hallmark execs will give notes on the types of plaid shirts that the male characters wear and how their hair is parted. Um, They have to be a certain type of color throughout the entire film. And they love it if the scene uh, has the faint glistening of Christmas lights kind of out of focus behind (laughs) Mm -hmm. the act. Mm-hmm. in at least like half of the mm-hmm. film it's a machine it's a machine. Yes. it's a machine it is and they know exactly where to spend the money and where not to spend the money i was watching one of these the other day and re- realizing that i think cat will will recognize what i'm talking about you can always tell that it's an inexpensively made hallmark movie because people will be at like some christmas party 
And you'll hear like this completely random, generic, yes. like poppy. Somebody will be like, "Jingle bells of my heart," and you're like, "I've never heard this. Song <laughs> That's not before. a real song." And it's just some <laughs> weird thing people made up. Where in reality, they'd be playing a song that you have to pay for, like right. "Rocking Around exactly. the Christmas Tree" or something like that. So it kind of feels like the Christmas version of the Selling Sunset song. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh, that's such a good way absolutely of it. <laughs> exactly that. Coming up. The holiday movies we hate. This message comes from NPR sponsor CarMax and the Love Your Car Guarantee. Car buying can feel overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be that way. CarMax gives you the time you need to make the right choice. Take up to 24 hours for your test drive. Once you buy, enjoy a 30-day money-back guarantee up to 1,500 miles. Learn more and start shopping at CarMax.com. The new Love Your Car guarantee from CarMax. Car buying reimagined. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp, the online counseling service dedicated to connecting you with a licensed counselor to help you overcome whatever stands in the way of your happiness. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a professional tailored to your needs. And if you aren't satisfied with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time free of charge. Visit BetterHelp.com minute to get 10% off your first month. Get the help you deserve with BetterHelp. There are lots of genres of film where I will watch a lot of that type of movie. Like, I'll really never say no to any horror film. But I will never have a month of the year where I watch like a dozen horror yeah. films. What is it about holiday movies that gets these diehard uh, fans to watch so many of them at the same time each year? Mm, that's a good question. I think it's such a easy to digest formula. It's always variations on a theme of usually a younger woman who is a journalist or a princess. It's or like a, they love making us journalists in these movies. They love journalists. They love architects. They love people who are going to their hometowns to renovate castles or cottages. <laughs> <laughs> and then they run into some, I don't know, handsome prince-like character yeah. and so you you kind of just know what type of journey you're going to go on and i think that's why it's so easy just to watch five of these or you know 10 of these in a week exactly and when you have a lot of people around in a family and you're trying to find something that a lot of different people might be willing to sit around and watch it's safe it's safe of, yeah if you can get people where they all kind of know it's silly sometimes it's a pretty agreeable thing for a whole bunch of people to watch together. I agree. Uh, with that, before I have you give our listeners some holiday movie recommendations from this year or whenever, can you both tell me the holiday movie that you hated the most recently? I have a pick, but I'll let y'all go first. Oh, hated the mm. most. Yeah. Usually I turn them off if I don't like the people at the beginning. <laughs> Not me. I buckle up for that ride, Linda. I will I mean, watch a bad I movie will say, and curse the whole time. I will say I did not enjoy Candy Coated Christmas. I did not enjoy the Food Network one. So listeners, if you uh, don't want spoilers, cover your ears for like 15 seconds. Uh, Linda, what happens in this movie? I barely remember, but um, <laughs> there is um, a part at the beginning where like she drops her coffee and he says, oh, I'll buy you a new one. And sure. she says, yeah, obviously the universe is telling me to cut back on caffeine. Or it's telling you to switch to decaf. <sighs> now, 
That makes no sense. She was clearly yeah. supposed to say coffee, and he was supposed to say switch to decaf. Yeah. They just said the same thing. And it was one of those moments where you're like, I really think they yeah. just didn't bother. They just did not this. want to take that extra take. Yes. When a cheap Christmas movie gets to the point where it actually, you can see the seams in that way, then it takes me right out of it. I love that you feel so strongly about that one scene. Mm. I, I feel really very do. strongly about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't distract me. Yes, yes. All right, you got one pick. Kat, do you have one that you hate? Yes. Well, I don't know if I hate it, but I think this is a movie where, you know, it's just, it's confusing to me why it exists. And it would be the third movie in The Princess Switch, which stars Vanessa Hudgens. And I cannot remember. Now, this is the one where she's like two or three characters? Yeah, well, yeah, she's three characters now. She, uh, <laughs> she plays this Lord. royalty uh, who is engaged to be wed to a prince. Stacy and I are handling the details ourselves, so we'll be there. She plays a baker from Chicago. I'm so glad I have you to help me with all this crazy last-minute stuff. And then she plays also in this latest movie a kind of sexy, distant cousin named Fiona. Maggie Moo! Seems almost like she could be a villain. What brings you to my private little corner of purgatory? But she redeems herself. Um, And... It's not that I hate this movie. I still watched it. I still watched movies one through three. Enjoyed them. (laughs) Wait, you watched the whole series? Yes, Sam. Like you, I commit. You know, I have to (laughs) go through and just watch every single thing. And I'll watch it till the very bitter end. And... As much as I want to root for Vanessa Hudgens, it's it's a lot. Can I and can I just say they broke their formula because in the first one there were two Vanessa Hudgenses, and then in the second one there were three Vanessa Hudgenses. In the third one there should have been four Vanessa Hudgenses, yes. but there are only still three Vanessa Hudgenses. There has to be this infinite number. I mean, it's like she they has have to, to have... keep multiplying. It exactly. has to go in a kind of an orphan black endless clones I, kind of that's direction. Exactly why it's frustrating. What is the point of watching three Vanessa Hudgenses again. <laughs> exactly. If there is going to be a Princess Switch 4, my suggestion for Netflix is that they make it like a racing movie or something like that. Like Fast and Furious. I can't wait for like F9, nine Vanessa Hudgenses <laughs> going into space for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so my pick for, gosh, that was a horrible holiday movie, has to be this year Netflix's Single All the Way. Oh. What a trash heap of a film. You hated it. Jennifer Coolidge, though. I felt like Jennifer Coolidge was, like, tamped down. She didn't go full Jennifer Coolidge at all throughout the entire movie, so that was a waste. And the two main characters had no actual chemistry. That is true. Hey, how long are you going home for? Ten days. So maybe you don't need that tower of sweaters? It was as if they had cast two men to play this movie to be the leads in this gay rom-com holiday film. But then one of the two must have got sick and they just found somebody else really quickly. (laughs) Also, this is a spoiler alert. um, The movie takes place in Vermont, like small town, quaint Vermont. And one of the romantic partners is black and he's there with the other one's family, all these white folks. And the entire movie, there is no acknowledging what it feels like to be a black person going to your white maybe partner's house in Vermont for Christmas. I've been to Vermont. Let me tell you something about Vermont. It is a place in which one notices uh, how how black they are (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
And one thing that this movie did um, was it tried to have that sort of rom-com trope where two characters pose and pretend they're in a relationship, which is what Peter and Nick, the protagonists, did. Oh, you're funny. It would solve everything. Uh I can temporarily bury the pain of my pathetic love life while also showing my family that I'm not a mental case who has no ability to be in a relationship. And they immediately dropped the facade and there was really just no continuation of that. And I was was very confused. And I do agree, they really should have had Jennifer Coolidge do more because she could have saved that movie. Oh, yeah. When we come back, the holiday movies we love. All right, we've talked about holiday films that we hate. I'm going to give y'all this chance now to recommend a holiday movie that you love to our listeners. They can be of the Hallmark Netflix variety. They can be from this year. They can be from wherever. But one holiday film that you want to recommend to our listeners. Well, I would say my favorite Hallmark uh, movie ever got a sequel this year. So now there are two. Ah. The first one was called The Nine Lives of Christmas. <laughs> I remember this one. Oof. Explain that plot. It's so bonkers. Yeah, it's about a firefighter <laughs> who finds a lost cat. I'll feed you. That's it. Had a long day. And Stay. then he meets this woman. She also has a cat. <laughs> he doesn't want to settle down, but then they fall in love. And that's... Because their cats fall in love. Because their cats fall in love. And that's The Nine <laughs> Lives of Christmas. And this year, they made a sequel called The Nine Kittens of Christmas. How do you have a sequel? So they already got together. Well, in which you find out that they did not stay together. Which, to me, is <sighs> breaking the rules of these movies. That I, is just a groundbreaking yeah. convention. You find out that they have not stayed together, um, but they miss each other. And they are brought back together something, something. She's been a veterinarian in Miami, and then she comes back to the town where they live. And uh, his boss, the fire chief played by Gregory Harrison, is getting ready to retire. And then they find a whole box of uh, kittens that need homes. kittens. Somebody left them at the fire station this morning. Look at this face. So the movie actually has nine kittens getting homes. It does give them a more resolved ending. I do not think they will be able to make a third one where you find out they once again broke up. Or there's um, another Vanessa Hudgens no, in a don't, don't, somewhere. Don't be so sure. I don't think that would work too well. <laughs> Kat, what you got? Okay, so it's the one that actually Brooke Shields is starring in, and it's A Castle for Christmas. And as much as I really wanted to dislike the way it its plot is shaped, it's about this author named oh, Sophie Brown, who is Brooke Shields. The only title I'm interested in is my next book, which I'm going to write at Dun Dunbar in the library. And she basically goes to Scotland and lives in a castle for a while to weather a cancellation that she is experiencing. And she happens to meet this secret Duke character who oh. lives in the castle. Mr. Dunbar. Technically, it's Duke. Uh, Miles is the 12th Duke of Dunbar. It's well, goofy. Is it is a little bit cheesy, but I, I did enjoy it. And Drew Barrymore makes some kind of surprising and maybe uh, not necessary, but still delightful appearances. Okay. Uh, my favorite thing about that movie is that that is the only movie I've ever seen. You can have sex in a Netflix uh, Christmas rom-com. Uh-huh. And this is the only movie I've ever seen where the people disappear into a bedroom we, uh, to have sex. We shouldn't be doing this. 
while the score playing is Angels from the Realms of Glory. Angels from the Realms of Glory. Yes. I loved it. My pick for favorite holiday movie is a classic, The Preacher's Wife. Oh, sure. Mm. And I recommend it because it has the best holiday movie soundtrack of all time. The soundtrack to The Preacher's Wife, uh, which features Whitney Houston as The Preacher's Wife. I believe in you and me. The whole soundtrack is just her with a gospel choir, singing gospel songs and Christmas songs with the whole choir. It is arguably one of the better Whitney Houston albums. It's perfect. So just for the soundtrack, it's great. But on top of that, Denzel Washington is an angel in the movie. And this movie is directed by Penny Marshall. Mm -hmm. It's a gem. It is a gem. I love it. I recommend it. That's a good one. Uh, On that note, I'm going to let both of you go and watch some more holiday movies. But my last question for you is a simple one. If you were in charge of Hallmark Holiday Films and you had an unlimited budget to make your own holiday movie, who would y'all cast as your leads? Oh, my gosh. That's such a good question. Uh, I want to cast Chris Evans and Merritt Weaver. Whoa. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, that's great. I like that. That is so, so good. I would cast Steven Yuen, um, and I would also cast, oh, man, the other lead is going to be a hard one. Just him. Just just him. (laughs) Just him and him and him and him. Yeah, him and him. He could just play 20 clones of himself, Uh a la uh, Princess Switch. Just have him, like, decorate a Christmas tree shirtless. I'm good. (laughs) That's all I really need. If I could cast any holiday movie, I would just make the entire cast of the Fast and Furious franchise make a Christmas movie with cars. That would be very successful, Sam. Right? That's a winner. Who plays Santa in the Christmas Fast and Furious? Samuel L. Jackson. I want it to be, no, just make Helen Mirren Santa. Oh, Helen Mirren be Santa. Or the Brian Cox from Succession. <laughs> That's a good Santa. Could have a twist to it. That's a very good Santa. Uh, on that note, to take us home, I really hope the production staff can uh, lay in Whitney Houston and her choir's rendition of Joy to the World from the Preacher's Wife soundtrack. It's so beautiful. Uh, Kat, Linda, thank you both. Come back soon. Merry, Merry Christmas. Thank, thank you. you, Sam. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Kat. You too, Linda. Thanks again to author Kat Chow. Kat put out a memoir this year that you may have heard about on our podcast. It's called Seeing Ghosts. Go check it out and then come back to this feed and listen to our other episode featuring Kat and her book. Also, thanks to Linda Holmes, co-host of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. And Linda is also an author. Go get her book, Evie Drake Starts Over. It is in bookstores everywhere. Now it's time to end the show the way we always do. Every week, listeners share the best thing that happened to them all week. But this week, since 2021 is drawing to a close, we ask listeners to share the best thing that happened to them all year. Let's hear some of those submissions. Hi, Sam. This is Felipe from Brooklyn, New York. And the best thing that has happened to me all year was for the first time, I went on a 100-mile bike ride, not once, but twice. 
I started in South Brooklyn, traveled up to Manhattan, crossed over the George Washington Bridge to New Jersey, and then rode up along the Hudson, and then went back. And it was great. <laughs> the second time was for my birthday, and I was to fight the anxiety of getting older, and I think it worked. Hey Sam, this is Amber. The best thing that happened to me this year was getting to go back to college in person, meeting a ton of new people, and reconnecting with old friends. Hey Sam, it's Joy Diaz in Austin, Texas. What a year 2021 has been. I can tell you that the best thing that happened to me this year is that I lived. I know it sounds like a lot of drama, but I got sick with COVID. My son got sick with COVID. He was only 10 at the time. We live to tell the story. And also, Sam, in December, I filed to run for governor in the state of Texas. I got the courage to finally walk away from a prestigious job that I had worked really hard to get, but that wasn't making me happy at all. And now I have the opportunity to learn to feel good about myself and feel worthy just for who I am without a fancy schmancy title. Hey Sam, this is Nick, Clon from Houston. The best thing that's happened to me this year was earning a director role for a student organization at my university. This has opened the door for so many opportunities and has allowed me to create bonds and relationships that I believe will last a lifetime. Hi Sam, this is Cindy from Los Angeles. The best thing that happened to me this year was finally being able to go to the Grand Canyon. It was on my bucket list. I went this year to celebrate turning 50 and for beating cancer again. We saw a lot of beautiful sunsets and sunrises and of course the canyon. But on my birthday evening, a special treat. I saw a beautiful sunset and a full moon rising. It was incredible to see one sky hold the moon and the sun over the canyon. It was inspiring and it was restorative. This is Chris calling you from River Sticks, Ohio. And the best thing that happened to my wife and I this year was to take a two hour drive from our house to an airport, take a flight from that airport to an airport on the East Coast, Take a flight from that airport to an airport in Sweden. Take a flight from Sweden to Norway. Take a second flight from Norway to another airport in Norway with a train ride in between. Get a rental car, drive two and a half hours to a small ferry port. From there, get on a small open boat and ride under the northern lights for 25 minutes across the open ocean to an even smaller ferry port. Disembark, get into a car, ride for a couple of minutes and then watch my wife and my daughter hug each other for the first time in two years. Hi Sam, this is Ian. The best thing that happened to me all year was um, getting the vaccine and also going to summer camp. It was really fun because I could go on water slides. There was a pool and it was just Really fun. Bye-bye and Happy New Year. Hi, Sam. This is Alex. A lot of good things happened this year. I finished my PhD. I got a job of my dreams. And I got six more months with a lot of people I'm really close with. But the best part of this year was yesterday. 
when many of those close friends surrounded me and surprised me and gave me a party to celebrate all my accomplishments and my going away. And I'm going to miss them so much. It was the perfect cap to this year that was really hard in so many ways. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for all that you do. Thanks. Happy holidays. And happy new year. Thanks again to all the listeners you heard there. Felipe, Amber, Joy, Kimberly, Nick, Cindy, Chris, Ian, and Alex. And I got to say, the best part of my year was uh, getting my couch back. In July of 2020, at the peak of the pandemic, I put all my stuff in storage, left my apartment in Los Angeles, and went to Texas for several months. And then I bounced around the country for several more months. And I haven't had a permanent address in like a year and a half. But this month, I got one again, and I got my stuff back, and I didn't realize how much I missed my couch. Best part of my year, seriously, getting my couch back. I love it so. Listeners, you can send your best thing to us at any time throughout any week. We still love to hear from you. Just record yourself and send a voice memo to samsanders at npr.org. All right, this episode was produced by Anjali Sastry kerbacek and Audrey Wynn. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman, and we had engineering support from Daniel Shukin. Also, special thanks to Audrey Wynn. Audrey has been with the It's Been a Minute team for a few months now, helping us out with production and all kinds of stuff. She's leaving us to go back to the team at NPR's Life Kit, where she'll keep doing amazing work. Audrey, it's been great working with you. Come back soon. All right, listeners, take care of yourselves this holiday weekend. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon.